Hello, fellow law students. Uh, welcome to the next episode of uh, LOL, Love of Literature. And uh, like the first season had finally come to an end so successfully, creating for us a great, uh, you know, very, very supportive uh, author and the publishing community. We're stepping into season two, and with season two, we have stepped up a lot more than the first season because we are bringing in authors from around the world. And one of them uh, for us, for you actually, for you, for the listeners, we've brought in today is uh, Sarah Archer from the US. Uh, and I I request Ms. Devi to give her formal introduction. Sarah Archer's debut novel, The Plus One, was published by Putnam. As a screenwriter, she has been recognized by the Blacklist Organization and the Nicole Fellowship and had material produced for Comedy Central. After working in TV and film development in Los Angeles, she currently lives in North Carolina. Welcome to LOL, Sara. And uh, so we hope you will have a good time talking today. Uh, what happens usually is that people first start with writing novels or novellas, short stories, and then progress on to writing history. But you've done it the exact, you know, the other way around, the exact opposite of what people usually do the conventional way. So how did this feel? Like, was it easier for you to, um, you know, uh, uh, do write for screens and then come down to writing novels? Or was it like, two, were they like two different ball, ball games and you couldn't even compare each? Um, I guess I did kind of do it a little bit backwards. <laughs> I studied screenwriting in college and moved out to LA right at the end of college to pursue screenwriting professionally. You know, I was working in TV and film there. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily easier or harder to do it in one order or the other. I think both screenwriting and writing fiction, there are certain skills that they kind of call on you to use. And so for any writer, I would always recommend, even if you have one area that you're really interested in, like try try something else, branch out, try poetry if you've never written poetry, try writing a play, you know, try screenwriting or fiction um, or try a different genre than what you've formerly done. I think you can always learn from that and apply different skills. I think in my case, since I did more um, screenwriting first and then kind of branched into fiction, one thing that screenwriting is really good about teaching you is structure. It's very, very focused on the structure of the story. Um, and I think that's something that for a lot of writers doesn't come quite as naturally. We tend to get really excited about like the characters and the world and these sort of moments that we're building. And then you have to think about like, okay, well, wait, what are the mechanics of like this, you know, where's the climax and how do the pieces kind of chain together and that sort of thing. Um, and screenwriting really kind of forces you to think about that and be disciplined about it and put the structure first. Um, so I, I learned that from an earlier time of my writing career. And I think that definitely helped me in writing fiction too and made that come a little bit more naturally. Um, screenwriting also really pushes you to be very efficient and really kind of condense everything down to its its most important elements. And that's another thing that I think for a lot of fiction writers is tough. You know, we, at least for me, like I always tend to write long <laughs> and then I have to cut back. Um, so screenwriting has really taught me how to do that. But on the other hand, I think that as I've gotten into fiction more, there are things that I've learned too that I can apply to my screenwriting and kind of different levels of character development that screenwriters don't necessarily uh, focus on as much. And 
looking for ways to be a little bit more inventive and kind of surprise your reader. Um, I think sometimes screenwriting, there can be a tendency to be sort of boilerplate and kind of writing by the numbers. And fiction writers tend to be a little bit more geared towards just being inventive and coming up with something that's totally original. Um, and bringing that more into the screenwriting world, I think is a helpful idea too. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting to compare the two. And as I've gotten more into fiction, got to know more fiction writers and just seeing their process, it's so different a lot of times. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of the term pantsers versus plotters is something that writers talk about a lot. Like, do you, yeah. do you plot everything out? Yeah, like, do you outline, you know, your whole story before you write it? Or do you just kind of jump in and write by the seat of your pants? And in screenwriting, everyone is a plotter. <laughs> like you have to outline, that's just sort of accepted as a process. And so once I kind of got into the fiction world over the past several years and was meeting more novelists, um, to, to meet a lot of people who, who don't do that, who just kind of jump in and find a story as they go, at first was like kind of shocking for me. <laughs> it was so different how I was trained, but um, I think it's been helpful in some ways. Like I, I'm still a plotter for sure. <laughs> I think I'll always be someone who outlines and plans first. Um, but I've, I've learned to dial back a little bit on that and to kind of leave a little bit more room for creativity and finding things as you go along. And I think that's been really helpful too. That said, you know, I thought I will ask about what this The Plus One is about. Um, I understand it's a fiction. And uh, uh, tell me uh, about what you did in the storytelling, because in your sc uh, screenplay, it is always scenes, uh, scenes by scenes, right? Like you said, it's so structured. Yes, here you have the freedom of uh, telling your story also, as, as well as showing your scenes, right? How did you balance one, one, I, one thing I want to ask? The other is, how was this book published? Uh, traditionally or did you publish yourself and were there any rejections of your manuscript? Yeah so I guess with the the first question about um, sort of how I wrote it so it is a work of fiction it's um, a romantic comedy but it's got like some kind of sci-fi elements to it as well so it's a little bit of a blended genre work I guess you would say um, and I like you were saying I definitely think in terms of scenes and I don't know how much of that is just my screenwriting background versus maybe just kind of naturally how I write and envision things. I'm a very visual person, so maybe mm -hmm. it comes from that. Mm -hmm. um, but I still, even when I'm writing fiction, I, I think in terms of scenes and I outline in terms of scenes, oh, which okay. I've noticed um, a lot of fiction writers don't do that. Like they outline in terms of chapters. Um, whereas for me, I tend to, when I'm writing a first draft, I'll sort of, I, I don't really think about the chapters. I'll I'll put chapter breaks in kind of where they feel natural as I'm going, but I don't pay that much attention to it. And then once I've got a whole first draft, one of the things I do is I go back and I look at where the chapter breaks are and I think about mm -hmm. like, okay, how long are these chapters? Mm -hmm. Are there any that seem really short mm -hmm. or really long? Are there different places where I might want to break the chapters, that sort of yeah. thing? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an after the fact addition for me. Um, and when I'm first envisioning the story, I really do think more in terms of scenes. But it is interesting because obviously, like you were saying, in, in fiction, you don't necessarily have to write everything in scenes the way you do in, in screenwriting. You do have that liberty to just narrate and kind of tell the story, um, which still sounds sometimes to me 
as as a screenwriter feels a bit like cheating. <laughs> like you're you're just telling the reader directly what's happening, which you can't do obviously when you're writing a screenplay. So it's but, nice to have that. But in fiction, you tell your readers to also imagine, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and you try to do it in a way where you're you're showing things rather than just telling them all the time, and you're kind of invoking that reader imagination and all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still I'm still very screen or scene oriented when I'm writing, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which I think yeah. um, in some ways helps with fiction helps, too yes, because yeah. It, totally. yeah, it helps you to to make the story to kind of keep the story going along and yes. keep focused on that sort yeah. of showing rather than telling. Yeah. Um, as far as your your other question about how I got the book published, so it was traditionally published. Um, I really went about it kind of the most traditional old-fashioned way i um cold queried agents sent out query letters i got an agent and then i did a round of revisions with her and then once the, the book was ready she sent it out to editors and i signed with the publishing house um and then did uh basically i think two rounds of revisions with my editor first to do kind of the bigger more developmental changes and then kind of smaller line by line word level things um, and then once that was done and the manuscript was kind of finalized and accepted, then it was about a year, I think, from that point to when it was actually published. So during that time, obviously, they were, we did like a copy edit, you know, making the cover, working on marketing, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I did it kind of the traditional way. So, so how long was this process? How long was this process alone after it was ready? So, well... I guess from the beginning, when I wrote the novel, it took about two years and I was working on other things off and on during that time. So it wasn't just writing that, but I took about two years to write it. What, what is the novel about? Well, it's so like I said, it's a romantic comedy. Um, okay. It takes place in Silicon Valley. And the, the main character is this young woman named Kelly, who's a robotics engineer. And um, she she's very good at her work, but not so much doing well in her personal life. <laughs> she's always single and her mom's kind of always on her back about like, you have to find the right person and then settle down. And when you're married, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we, we all know someone like that. <laughs> so she, um, her younger sister gets engaged and she's, her mom tells her like, you have to have a plus one or a date to bring to the wedding. So she tries to find someone to bring with her and tries to date in kind of all the normal ways. And it all sort of fails miserably on her. <laughs> and then she basically decides she's just going to take matters into her own hands and build a date. So since she's a robotics engineer and she makes these very advanced, realistic humanoid robots, she builds Ethan, who's like her perfect robotic man. He's, you know, he's handsome and he's charming and he has Google and his brain so he's very intelligent and all this stuff um and she actually manages to pass him off as her boyfriend and everybody believes it um but then the more time she spends with him she's she's almost forgetting that he's a robot and she kind of starts to fall in love with him after a certain point and so she has to get rid of him but she doesn't want to and she's kind of pulled between these two different things so um so that's what the story is about mm. well, how many pages is this novel um, I think the the published version is maybe around 300. It was, I think word count was about 80,000 or so, mm -hmm. I believe. Quite a big one. 
yeah. and to think it was written you you did it as a comedy right a humorous yeah. yeah yeah that's interesting for a serious topic like <laughs> you know? well and i think like there there are so many stories out there obviously about robots and ai and, and that sort of thing um and a lot of them come at it from a more serious angle and that kind of dark like oh like that also as science science fiction no mm-hmm. well it's technically it is science fiction um but i would say that it reads more like a romantic comedy it, it's mm. not kind of hard like orson scott card mm-hmm. doing type science fiction it, okay. it's it's more of a romantic comedy with sci-fi oh that's nice mm-hmm. yeah. so, uh, usually what happens with any type of fiction is that we go through like phases of research right we go online or we take books and we read but uh, usually for romantic comedies the research is overlooked people who write romantic comedy also go through their own sort of research but but uh, you know it doesn't come out like it does in historical fiction or like in science fiction mm-hmm. so because yours um, it, uh, it you know it uh, uh, it runs around uh, robotics and it, it has uh, ai and all involved how much of research in that did you have to go through and if you had to go through research how long did that research phase uh, you know go on for you i i did do a fair amount of research for this um you're right in that romantic comedy is obviously generally it's much more just kind of character based and you might not have to do as much research and i've written more sort of straightforward rom-coms like that which don't really require much research um for this one in order to kind of make the science aspects more believable even though it's it's very much fiction and it's not you know we don't obviously really have robots yet that can pass as a human and go undetected but i still want to do some research to make the science feel somewhat plausible and to um to kind of get into the minds of robotics engineers and how they work and that sort of thing um so i did a lot of it was through Google. <laughs> First stop for everything obviously, reading articles online and that sort of thing. I also did some um interviews with robotics engineers and product designers to talk about not just the mechanics of the work that they do, but also um sort of how they approach their jobs and how they think about it and how do they work as a team with their coworkers, how do they think about like the end consumer when they're developing these advanced products that sort of thing. Um also talking about kind of the ethics and philosophy around AI which I think is really fascinating. There's this one woman who I interviewed who's a robotics engineer um kind of like Kelly and that she makes these very like advanced humanoid robots and um her name is Suzanne Gilder and she if you're interested in AI at all I recommend googling her and looking up like some of her her lecture videos and stuff cuz she talks a lot about the the philosophy of AI and the kind of ethical conundrums and that sort of thing um which is really fascinating and that's something that even over the the course of the time that I've worked on this project like I think if I were to start this today and start writing it now I would probably approach some of that stuff differently than I did at the time because my thinking about it has changed the more that i've learned um i think our general cultural conversation around some of this stuff has changed too um there are a lot of fascinating questions about you know are if a robot or an ai entity of some sort has a certain level of intelligence do they have some sort of free will what kind of rights do they have there's a robot named sophia who's technically i think a citizen in turkey so who you know has like political free will and power in that sense um so a lot of that is very interesting to me 
I think um, in terms of like how I actually did the research and how long it took, it was more of a rolling process for me. Like I did some in the initial phases when I was first writing. And as I went along, as I was writing, I would discover new things I needed to research. And then I would stop and do a little bit more research and get the opportunity to talk to a certain person. So then I would do an interview and that sort of thing. So it's not something where I think some writers might do like all the research up front. I tend to kind of do some up front, but then get into the writing. And that's how I find out what research I need to do as I go, um, which also helps me avoid the temptation of just researching for ages and never actually getting around to the writing, which I think sometimes writers get down that rabbit hole. I mean, I mean talking of research, how, mm -hmm. how does a research for a fiction differ from the research for screen writing? I think, obviously, it, it, the essential basics of it are the same. You know, you're still trying to find out the facts that you need to know and also just familiarize yourself with the world that you're writing about so that you kind of feel like you're living in it. Um, but you do have to do, I think, a different level of research for writing a novel versus a screenplay. Um, in a screenplay, in a way, there's a lot less that you're doing and that you're responsible for as the writer because it's such a collaborative process. You know, if you're writing a novel, the author is really kind of the one driving force behind it. There might be editors and people who are giving notes along the way and, and other people who are involved, but it's much more like the singular work and vision of one writer. Whereas with screenwriting, you know, if you actually sell a screenplay and get a movie produced, um, first of all, you're probably not gonna be the only writer. There are usually multiple writers brought in to do different drafts. And then even once there's a finished screenplay, um, there are hundreds of other people involved from start to finish in making a movie. So it's not just your work and your voice. And I think that's something that as a screenwriter you have to be kind of cognizant of is, um, knowing what your role is and what other people's roles are and not to kind of step over those. Like, for instance, you don't want to put too much direction in for the actors about like what the characters are going to be doing at different points and every yeah. little gesture, how they're saying a line, like you want to communicate what you need to in order to make the story clear, yeah. but you don't want to step on the actor's toes and tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way with research, you don't have to do quite as much for a screenplay. Like, for instance, with costumes, if I were um, writing a period piece as a novel, I would want to do enough research that I could really describe exactly what people are wearing and um, give, give that kind of vivid picture to the reader. But for a screenplay, um, I, I wrote historical drama period piece um, recently. And so for that, I, I did enough research just that I could kind of picture what the characters might be wearing and get a sense for myself of like, like how they might feel in their clothes, how they might feel in you know, different types of weather, different times of year, how it would affect things that they're doing day to day. But none of that actually made it onto the page because I'm not describing what the characters are wearing. Like that's, there's a wardrobe department and that's their job and I don't want to tell them what to do. <laughs> so the research is a little bit less detailed, I think, for screenwriting. When was this book published and how well was it received? Can you share something about it? Yeah, so it was published 2019, summer 2019. Um, and I mean, I guess it's hard to say how well a book is received. <laughs> I still get people reaching out to me on social media or emailing me um, through the contact form on, on my website, things like that, mm -hmm. to say that they read the book and they liked it. And that's always so nice to hear. You know, it makes you yeah, of course, you hear from a reader. <laughs> um, and so I've 
you know, I've gotten some great feedback like that. I, I honestly don't really look at reviews. I, I looked at some early on. Um, I know of like the professional kind of trade reviews. So I guess the big three are like Booklist, um, Purpose, and Publishers Weekly. And I know from Booklist, they gave it a star review, which is really nice. So they, they definitely liked it. And then between Purpose and Publishers Weekly, there was one that was positive and one that was not so positive. <laughs> I don't remember which was which, actually, at this point. But um, I, the only thing I remember is that it was it was annoying because if you look, and I, don't, I actually don't even know if it's still like this, but like if you look the book up on Barnes and Noble or different websites, like the negative review was always the one that displayed first and it would hide the positive ones. And so I'm like, okay, well that's it's a great way to advertise it, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> so um, I know, I know. I yeah, I, I I don't pay that much attention to reviews. I think from the ones that I've seen, some of it is um, people actually tag me and stuff, like on Instagram especially, is a very active place. Uh, book discussions or such uh, meetings in your place. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah, I've I've done um, I've done like book club appearances. I've done readings of bookshops and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I did kind of a a run of those like a, a small book tour when the book first came out, and then mm -hmm. since then I've also just had other opportunities here and there to do mm -hmm. you know, speaking appearances and that sort of thing to promote mm -hmm. it. So even though I'm you know a couple of years out from it now, I'm still doing stuff to promote the book here and there. So it's definitely like a a rolling process, I think. <laughs> so how do you connect with other authors? And uh, uh, has that helped you in any way in your writing, uh, impact yeah. in your work? For sure. I think um, other authors are a huge part of my my work and my life as a writer, honestly. I think getting feedback and getting that kind of constructive criticism is really helpful for me. I always, mm -hmm. as I'm going through and I do different drafts of things, I um, will give them to writer friends and ask for their feedback. And I'm in a number of writers groups. Um, some of them are critique groups where we you know, trade feedback on writing. Um, I have one where we do writing prompts, which is a great way to kind of get together and just be creative and think about things that you wouldn't normally think about and write things that I wouldn't normally write. Um, I'm involved in some writers' organizations, like there's a local one called the Charlotte Writers Club, there's the Women's National Book Association. Um, those are great for kind of like speaker events and networking and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that, you know, writers are, they're kind of each other's best support system. Like writing is such a solitary thing, or it can uh, be if, if you want it to be. Um, it's just you putting your thoughts onto the page or onto the computer screen or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's helpful to kind of get outside of your own head and, and talk to other people about it and bounce around ideas and get their thoughts and just commiserate sometimes, you know, with someone else who understands how the process can be yeah, yeah, stressful yeah. And, and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, we all have. We all have our set of frustrators. And um, mm -hmm. so we know what you mean. Because you've had a background with screenplay writing, did that help you in networking for uh, marketing your, uh, you know, book? And are you thinking of making an adaptation of your book into a screenplay? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if it actually really helped that much in terms of networking for the book, because the, in a lot of ways, the, the film world and the publishing world are pretty separate. So I, I didn't really know anyone in publishing when I started out. Um, 
So it didn't necessarily, I think it helped me with some writing skills and some ideas of like how to market my work and how to pitch it and that sort of thing, because that's something that screenwriters really kind of get trained on. Um, but it didn't really cross over in terms of the people that I knew. Um, as far as adapting it, it has actually been optioned for television. So there's a production company that has the rights to it right now and they're developing it for TV, um, which is exciting, but it also, um, the way these things work, I mean, the most thing, the most, uh, the majority of, of books that get optioned don't actually get turned into TV shows or movies. So I know that chances are it's not actually going to make it on screen, but it's still just nice that they're interested and that they're, they're working on it. Um, I've, I've thought at different points about maybe just writing a screenplay of it myself, just on spec and adapting it that way. Um, and maybe someday that's something that I would do. Um, but at this point, I kind of feel like I, I told that story and I've moved on from it mentally, if that makes sense. Like I have other stories yeah, that have written since then um, and other things that I'm working on now that I kind of feel more invested in. And I think I would need maybe more time away from it to come back and feel that creatively, creatively excited about it. And what are you working on? Any other book? Next book. Yeah, I've got, so I have a book that I've been working on that I'm gradually getting notes um, from readers on in one of my writers groups. Um, it's another romantic comedy. I have another idea for a book that's percolating that's very, very much in the early stages, but I'm kind of excited about it. And um, I've been also focusing on some screenwriting projects as well. Like me, I've got um, a feature that's in development with a production company and a new pilot that I've been working on. So I'm, I'm one of those writers who likes to work on multiple things at once. <laughs> so I've always kind of got different, different projects going. Oh, that's nice. So um, how has uh, social media helped you in, uh, you know, as an author? And how do you think it can be useful also for your book? Uh, I mean, aspiring authors out there will be, you know, um, uh, getting help from your answer, if you can share with us. Thank you. Yeah, sure. I think social media is, it's a tremendously helpful resource. Um, obviously, it's a free way that you can get out there and market your work. Um, it's a little bit of a kind of mixed blessing, I think. I, <laughs> I have sort of a love-hate relationship with it, and I hear a lot of writers articulate the same thing. Um, I think that it can be, it can be really helpful, but it can also be a time suck. Um, like I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and between those three platforms, just trying to maintain an account and keep someone on top of notifications on all three of them and post somewhat regularly feels like a lot. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I always feel like I'm behind and I'm not doing enough. So I think that you have to sort of balance yeah. being active on social media and knowing what works for you versus still also leaving time to actually write yeah, it, can, <laughs> it, can, and... it can really swallow your time <laughs> yeah <laughs> if yeah you're not balancing it yeah i know what exactly <laughs> so um, i would say if so instagram is one that i got on at the advice of my agent and i found that to be probably the most helpful for writers at least yeah. of those three um there's a really active community of readers and writers on there and that's the place where i most often get readers reaching out to me so if you're going to choose one as an author that's probably a good one to go with. Though, I mean, all this, when when, the, when authors get get together and we have like conversations or we go to like events where we meet like-minded people, there'll be one thing that you will always have that fear of your idea being plagiarized, right? There will always be that fear. And especially if it's a screen, if it's a screenplay, there's a huge opportunity and a huge risk for you, for your work to be 
uh, you know, stolen or plagiarized. How have you handled that? Um, for me, maybe I'm naive about it, but it's honestly not something that I worry that much about. I, I know it's it's a possibility and it certainly has happened, but I think that um, the likelihood that someone is going to steal your idea in reality is pretty low. Um, I've worked with writers who are very, very conscious about that. I remember I did a short several years ago with a guy who was kind of paranoid about it to the extent that he would, we had to use like this crazy encryption system to like email each other stuff back and forth. And I was like, you know, we're, we're making a short for no money that not many people are going <laughs> to see. Like realistically, nobody's hacking right now. <laughs> I think um, there are, there are protections you can take, like you can register a script. I don't know if, if there's the same thing for, for books, but for a script, I think you can register it with the WGA, um, maybe get a copyright on it. So I think also just obviously keeping your drafts is helpful so that you have a record of what you wrote and when. And that way, if an issue does come up, you have proof of, you know, this is my idea and I wrote it on this date. Um, but in my experience in reality, I don't think that's that much of an issue. I think um, as long as you're being somewhat careful about who you share your work with, you'll probably be fine. How was your experience through the agents and how, how did, like, were there rejections? Were you made aware of the rejections of your work? Yeah, in, in the U.S., I think it's much more that you do kind of need to have an agent if you want to be traditionally published. I think there are some smaller publishing houses where you can write to them directly and query them directly as a writer. But um, certainly the bigger ones, you really have to have an agent in order to get in the door. Um, so once I got my agent, um, she sent the book out on submission and I was really not involved in that process at all. She basically just took it and she didn't tell me where she was sending it or who was saying yes or no. I, I'm sure there were rejections, but I didn't really hear about them along the way. Um, I think that that might vary by the agent. Like I, I know I have one writer friend who her agent has a spreadsheet that she shares with her where she'll show her everything, all the people that she's sending the book to and what their response is. Um, so it might just depend on your agent. For me, I, I wasn't really involved. I didn't really hear what was going on until I heard that there was a yes. <laughs> so in some ways, that's kind of nice that you're not hearing all the rejection. Yes, I'm sure that's happening. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I am not hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she stay motivated to keep writing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so how was it, Sarah, to hold the first copy of your book in your hand? And uh, normally, which one you you like? As in seeing your name in the screenplay that uh, you wrote, or this. Uh, as, as a book, physical form of what you individually did it, you know, and yeah. uh, you, so how, how was it? Um, it's an amazing feeling to hold, you know, your first book for the first time and just have that, because writing is such a sort of ephemeral process, it's just these ideas, and then to have it turn to something that's actually tangible and real and that someone else can, can pick up and read and do something with is, is really amazing. Um, so that was very rewarding, I think, and especially because as a screenwriter it, with that kind of background, there's really no end game as much for most of the things that you're writing as a screenwriter. Like you can't, you can't get a screenplay made into a movie or a TV show on your own unless you're very wealthy <laughs> and can afford to just fund the whole thing yourself. You know, you need the backing of people in Hollywood to fund it. 
and to, to make it. Um, so especially when you're early in your career as a screenwriter, um, you're really just writing things and kind of throwing them out there and trying to get anyone to read them who will read them. But you know yeah. that they're not going to actually probably turn into movies. So to write a book and to know that, um, in my case, I was lucky to get it traditionally published, but even to know that self-publishing is an option, that was something that really was motivating for me as I was writing, that if I want to publish this and make it a book and get it out there, like I have that opportunity on my own, um, which I think is a really, a really great thing that authors can do that as well. Uh, when you're really like, uh, you know, particular about publishing your book traditionally or does this happen on its own? Uh, or say you like no no I'm going I'm not going to spend money on myself on my own book. Was it was it like a like a principle that you had that you will have to follow? Yeah, I I honestly didn't think I was going to get traditionally published. I thought it would be because I know it's competitive. So I thought like oh I'll write this and I'll make some attempt at traditional publishing, but it's probably not going to work. And so then I was very much open to the idea of self publishing, um, and I probably would have pursued that, but. I, I guess I got lucky and I did manage to get an agent and the book did sell. So I, I was able to get traditionally published and I'm grateful for that experience. But um, I think that self-publishing is a great option too. And I know lots of people who do that. So um, I, if I did it, I don't know if I would have been willing to spend a lot of money on it <laughs> just because that's just who I am. Like yeah. the thought of, you know, spending all that money in marketing. And I know. <laughs> so, so the world is becoming so uh, visual, right, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, Netflix and OTT and it's, it's all, you know, how do you think that is going to affect the readership, the physical book, or at least uh, uh, people should read Kindle book, right? At least digital <laughs> book. So how do you think is the future of books as it is? And uh, has your book come in Kindle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine, it's also available in, in Kindle and ebook form and in audiobook form. Um, I think on one hand, it's it's great that we have audiobooks and, and ebooks as well. I think anything we can do to make books more accessible to more people and encourage more people to read whatever form that takes for them is great. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like there are a lot of people who really only listen to audiobooks. So mm -hmm. the fact that they can do that and consume books while they're driving or on the treadmill or whatever it is they're doing is, is awesome that we have that these days. Um, but I think there's always going to be a market for print books as well. Um, people are doing such beautiful and inventive work with book covers these days that books are like these little works of art, you know, and I think oh, a lot yeah. of people, they like that, that you can have yeah. a library in your home or bookshelf with these, yeah. these beautiful tangible objects. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also just because we're, we're all on screens all the time. Like I'm always on my computer. So it's nice to give my eyes a rest sometimes and be able to just look at the page instead. Um, so I think there's always going to be a market for print books as well. At least I hope. Yeah. I, I prefer them. I know if you do your video, if yeah. your audiobook, can we know about uh, getting audiobook? How is, how is it done in your, I mean, we don't know much about it. In fact, I, I don't know anything about it. How did yeah. you do your audiobook? Well, for me, the publisher really did it. I wasn't that involved. Oh. Um, they they sent me samples of two different narrators that they were considering and asked if I had a preference. And um, I, I picked one of them and she did a great job. I, I haven't actually listened to the whole audiobook. I've heard like a little snippet of it, but she actually won, I think the audiobook won an award for that format. So I'm sure that she did a wonderful job oh. with it. Um, I do. I've, did your plot pick the genre or... Had you decided already that I'm going to do romantic 
fiction and then make your plot revolve around the genre? I think in in this case, it was definitely plot first. I just had the idea for the story, and I really didn't think as I was writing it about the genre or the audience um, or any of that. And also because I had no experience in, in the book world at that point, I really didn't even know that much about like what the genres are within the book world. Like if I were writing this in the screenplay, I would call it a comedy, but there's no comedy section in a bookstore, you know, that they're, they're humor books, but those tend to be like nonfiction kind of funny essays type of stuff. Um, so it ended up getting published as contemporary romance, but that was something where, um, there were kind of other genres that were in play as well that it could potentially have been classed as. You could call it women's fiction or kind of general commercial fiction. Technically, you could call it a sci-fi. Um, so that was basically the publisher decided what section to put it in based on the buy numbers from the bookstores. Um, I think now that I've had that experience, I'm a little bit more conscious of genre and of making those choices when I'm writing something and of knowing like mm -hmm. where it's going to end up and what audience I'm going towards. But mm -hmm. when I was writing it, I really, I was just kind of writing the story and then figured that part out later. Uh, Sarah, according to you, what really is creativity? Hmm. That's a big question. <laughs> I guess <laughs> creativity, I would say, is doing something new. Um, it can feel a lot of times in this world like everything's been done, that whole like there's nothing new under the sun idea. <laughs> um, as a writer, sometimes it can feel like any idea you have, like there's some version of it out there. I mean, even with this story, there's a, a German movie that I haven't seen, but I, a friend mentioned it to me recently. I was like, oh, this sounds like your book, like a, a movie that came out in the past few months, which has a very similar storyline, I think. Um, but I think you have to remember that as a writer, like you're not just providing the basic idea or the basic world, you're providing your take on it and how, how you write something and the way that you view it is always going to be colored by your individual lens and to embrace that and not try to write someone else's story or someone else's version of your story. But to know that that's like the, the one thing that you have as a writer is your individual point of view and nobody else has that. So I think just use that and really harness that creativity. Yeah, now we can, yeah, we can move on to World of W. World of W does nothing but a set of W questions like water and where and all that. And it, for the listeners to, you know, if they do not have the time to listen and sit through the entire session, they should scroll down here and get a discount. The first question is, um, what is your next book about? Well, the book that I've been working on, which may or may not be my next book that actually comes out, <laughs> um, it's another romantic comedy, and it's um, it's a little bit darker in terms of subject matter. It has to do with some mental health issues and um, it's about this girl in small town, North Carolina, who's like an aspiring stand-up comedian, but she's basically stuck and held back in her career because of certain things that are going on in her life. And then this guy moves there from New York for the summer and they build a relationship, but they both have sort of secrets that they're keeping that kind of unspool over the course of the summer. They find out about each other. Um, so that's the one that I've been working on most recently. When, when, when can we expect this book out? Oh, that's that's why I want to know. <laughs> roughly, roughly, I'm, roughly for, well, I'm, for the readers. I'm in I'm in sort of a transition place, so honestly, I'm not even sure if I'm going to try to publish this one, or I might switch to a new genre. But um, who knows? If if I do publish it, then I'm I'll, I'll be posting about it. You'll know. <laughs> uh, 
why okay. only your magic kitchen are you are you mm. really you know comfortable there or do you not want to branch out why why did stick to one genre well, I actually would love to branch out, and I've written things in many other genres. Um, this is just the first book that I got published, and the the um, a lot of the screenplays I've written to have been in that genre. But as a reader and as a writer, I love reading and writing and watching all sorts of different things. I wish that I could just write whatever I wanted and not have to worry about genre or branding. But there is definitely a tendency as a writer to kind of get pigeonholed into one area and to feel like you have to stick to a brand. Um, so that's one of the things I've been kind of grappling with at this point in my career is do I want to kind of change directions and pivot because romance was not an area that I ever actually set out to go into. I kind of got directed into that through a series of circumstances. Um, but I do love romantic comedy, so it's, it's a space that I'm comfortable in, but I do love also writing other things. Okay, so where can readers find your books? Um, it's available uh, basically anywhere that you would find books, independent bookstores, bookshop.org, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, my website is uh, sararcherwrites.com, and there are links to buy the book on there. There are links to my social media, so that's kind of an easy place to find it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, how, how can our audience reach out to you, like uh, your Instagram, to Facebook, which or email, which one are you comfortable getting, you know, credits from? Mm -hmm. How, how can um, Any of those channels, really. I'm pretty accessible. I'm So you can go to my website, sararcherwrites.com. There is a contact form on there that you can use to send an email. Um, also on social media, I'm on Facebook. I can... Um, my handles are different on every website, so it's a little, it's a little complicated, but Facebook is Archer Therapy. Twitter is Sarah Archer M and Instagram is Sarah Archer Writes. Um, but also if you just go to my website, sararcherwrites.com, I think there are links on there to my different social media pages. So, and I try to check my, my messages. I don't always get to them right away, but I'm always happy to hear from readers and to talk to people. So oh, what would you like to tell, uh, tell aspiring authors and how would you feel about the session? Um, well, this has been wonderful. I always love talking about books and hearing people's ideas about literature and that sort of thing. Um, as far as what I would tell aspiring writers, I guess, you know, read and write as much as possible. That's always good advice. But also really, you know, use your other writers as a resource like we were talking about earlier. Getting notes from people is usually helpful. And do the same thing in return. You know, be a resource for your fellow writers. Mm -hmm. Give them notes, mm -hmm. support their work, um, go to their events, that sort of thing. Like, it's, yeah. there's a great writers community out there. And now with the internet, you know, it's more accessible than ever. You can do events from all over the world. So take advantage of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just stopping. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I hope this episode brought you a little bit closer to your love of literature. Thank you.